Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, here we go. We're going to continue the series on the Holy Spirit today. Uh, If you are visiting with us and something touches your heart that you hear, we do have uh, podcasts. This is on live stream on Facebook that you can catch up on old uh, messages also online as well. Uh, well, many of you know this, but I just want to um, just do a quick review. Central Assembly of God is an Assemblies of God church. It's also known as a Pentecostal church. Assemblies of God churches make up 67 million believers worldwide. And Pentecostal believers uh, are the, actually the largest group of Christians across the world. So that word Pentecostal, being a Pentecostal church, it comes from the Old Testament feast of Pentecost. That word Pentecost means 50th. It was a festival that was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. So if you translate that into the New Testament now, we have Jesus who was crucified on the Passover. After he was resurrected, he spent 40 days uh, with disciples and appearing to believers and followers. After that, he ascended to be with the Father, and 10 days later, which was now a a total of 50 days after Passover, was the Old Testament Feast of Pentecost. But it was actually on that day of Pentecost, 50 days after uh, Jesus was crucified on Passover, that the birth of the New Testament church occurred. The significant event that occurred on that day was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There was a mighty rushing wind that blew into the room. There were tongues of fire that rested upon each believer in the room, and they spoke in unknown languages that other people who were traveling from other regions came in and actually understood them. Now, the result of that is there were 120 people in that room that were empowered that day to go out and and fulfill the Great Commission to do what Mike was talking about, to advance his kingdom. But another result of that were 3,000 people repented of their sins, turned their life to Jesus, and actually were water baptized that day. I still, I, I, I picture it in my mind when I think about that day, about how three, I mean, there were thousands upon thousands of people there for an Old Testament festival, a feast of Pentecost. And they come and they see I'm sure that they've heard this, you know, the rushing wind and so on, and these believers come out, and Peter comes and preaches, and by the end of the day, 3,000 people are walking home soaking wet, knowing Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So Pentecostal churches, we believe that this experience, which is also known, you'll you'll hear me uh, use different phrases, and you'll hear other Christians use different phrases for this same experience, such as baptism with the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon people. Those are all the same experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that this experience still occurs today and it's still necessary for effective witnessing and effective Christian living. If you're not from a Pentecostal background, there might be some confusion of how that's different from 
Water baptism, how it's different uh, from salvation. So I'm going to try to clear that up today. Uh, we're going to just begin. This is going to be part one. Then Tim Enlow, uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night is, are really going to camp out on this topic. So I would really, uh, again, occur, encourage you to do that. Now, myself, I was not raised uh, in a Pentecostal church. I was uh, raised in just a non-denominational church. We didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit, did not talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Then in high school, we transitioned to another church, uh, again, Solid Christian church, good uh, biblical teaching, but the pastor would actually use some connotations of Pentecostal experiences in a bad way. So when I came uh, to Central Assembly of God, a Pentecostal church that believes in this, uh, I didn't have a reference point for it. I, I, didn't, I wasn't raised in that. It took me several years of looking into Scripture and seeing it throughout the book of Acts and seeing how John the Baptist foretold it. And uh, as Jesus was talking and teaching on the Holy Spirit, how he foretold it was going to happen. And then as the Holy Spirit began being poured out throughout the book of Acts, and we see the result of growing power, growing witness, and the church expanding, my theology started to line up with God's word. So if you're not from a Pentecostal church, sometimes you need to, to take things that you've learned and other things that, you know, that, that you've researched before and just look at God's word for a little bit. Not all the other outside voices and articles and so on. It's just look through scripture, see what Jesus taught, and then see what happened in the book of Acts. A few years after I started researching scripture, I was actually in a hotel uh, near Mechanicsburg, and I had my, my laptop open, and I was just worshiping the Lord, and I was just kneeling right at the bed uh, uh, in, this, in this hotel room by myself, and I'm just praying to the Lord. I'm just focusing on Jesus and worshiping Jesus. I can't explain it any other, but I felt like a light plunger just came right within the insides of me and just released. And I just began to pray in, a, in an unknown language that I, I had never heard before, which we say praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. But more important than that is what changed after my life is I actually saw power flow from my life. It was significantly different than before I experienced this baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Lord began to use me in words of knowledge and prophetic words and speaking things to people that I would have no clue about beforehand. When you speak those things to people and you know it pierces their heart, it pierces their soul and they begin to weep, you know the Lord's doing that. I couldn't have done that in my own power began seeing people healed whenever we would pray for them and lay, on, lay hands on them. Just be able to communicate the message of the gospel more effectively. So I have no doubt in my mind this experience is still for today. It is still for the empowerment of the church to advance the gospel of the kingdom. Now, other denominations and religions, they believe differently about the Holy Spirit. That's why we gave you a brochure here. Uh, we had great questions in our survey several weeks back, and a lot of the questions are addressed in here. This is by the Assemblies of God, and it just gives scriptural references as you look to Scripture. But some believe, some don't actually believe uh, that the Holy Spirit is a real divine being. As I was doing research, I wouldn't consider them a Christian church, but uh, some of the peripheral religions right around Christians, that they actually believe the Holy Spirit is figurative language used to refer to God. Some other denominations, they believe, they don't believe in the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. They believe the baptism in the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts were completed after, uh, as the Bible was was, was being written. So after the Bible was canonized and completed, that that work was no longer being done, that God only works uh, sovereignly, but not necessarily through his men and women who are following him. 
And some also believe that we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit at the moment that we get saved or what we refer to as being born again at the baptism in the Holy Spirit and salvation are the same. But I'm hopefully uh, through revealing scripture to you, I'm gonna show you how those are two separate events. So we as a Pentecostal church, we believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct experience from salvation that empowers you to live a supernatural lifestyle. So even with VBS, the overview, they went through these five uh, icons throughout the week. The first one uh, was creation. So we talked about how God created all these things and including Adam and Eve. How many of you know, if you've been here for several weeks in this series, the Holy Spirit was the one being breathed into Adam to give him life. So the Holy Spirit was here before creation. He was here at creation. The second day we talked about sin uh, through VBS and how Adam and Eve, they chose to sin. They chose to rebel against God and now there's a separation. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit was there as well providing those animal skins to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness? The third day we talked about Jesus, how he came to pay for our sins. How many of you know the Holy Spirit was there with Mary to, to, give, to, to allow her to be impregnated with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was there to resurrect Jesus back to life. So then we went to the fourth uh, day, which was being saved, how we could be saved, healed, and delivered. And we've already talked about this, how the Holy Spirit comes to live within us the moment we say yes to Jesus. When we turn away from our sins and turn toward the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And then on day five, we talked about advancing, advancing his kingdom. And this is where we're at today, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit, where we need just as many adults as we had kids that can believe that we are powerful ones through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not in our own power, it's not in our own doing, but Jesus said that he would send us the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to walk in power. John 14 Verse 17, we've referenced these verses many times throughout these last eight weeks. Jesus is teaching on the Holy Spirit. He says this, he's the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. He says the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you. Now and later will be in you. So we've already gone over a lot of this is the Holy Spirit. He was around during creation. He was around uh, with them. So he's living with them and around them on this earth. But Jesus is talking about that born again experience. He says, soon he's going to be in you. So that when, when he's talking, he's going to be in you. He's talking about salvation. The moment we say yes to Jesus. And now we have that down payment, that deposit, that guarantee of the things that are yet to come. And in John chapter 20, it's the same day that he was raised back to life. In the evening, he appears to disciples. He says, peace be with you. In verse 21, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He's talking about uh, th this assignment that he has. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe at that time, those disciples that were standing there, they weren't all of them, but the group of disciples that were there with him at that time received the Holy Spirit inside of them for their benefit to know they are born again, they're following Jesus, and their, their home is going to be in heaven. Now, we follow throughout the New Testament. Every time, if you look through in Acts, when you find people getting saved and following Jesus, repenting of their sins, water baptism follows immediately after that. Water baptism is different than spirit baptism. In fact, in Luke chapter three, starting at verse 15, 
It says everybody was expecting the Messiah to come soon and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. This is talking about John the Baptist, right? He's cousins with Jesus. He was the one that basically plowed the ground and preached repentance from sin. So John answered their question saying this, I baptize you with water. What does that mean? He took people into bodies of water that were repenting from their sin. They were turning away from their sin, turning toward God, and he would dunk them all the way underwater for a sign of repentance. It's the same water baptism that Jesus sent his disciples to do during the Great Commission, right? Where he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's talking about taking people into a body of water where, it, where it's a symbol, a declaration that their old sinful sin is dying with Christ on the cross. And as they go under that water, they're being buried with Christ. As they're coming back up, they're resurrecting with Christ into a new life. So John the Baptist was, 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 was leading up to that point. But so John was baptizing with water, but he says, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave or untie the straps of his sandals. He says, he, who's he referring to here? Jesus. So Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is a different and distinct experience from salvation and water baptism. And it's called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's at that moment where you have an infilling and an overflowing of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of power, for the purpose of being an effective witness. I've shared it before uh, during, this ser- during this sermon series that the Holy Spirit is in you for your benefit and comes upon you for the benefit of other people. So when Jesus says the Holy Spirit is with you and will soon be in you, Those are two distinct times, right? He's in the earth and now he's in you as a believer, but he also comes upon us for the benefit of other people. Jesus actually predicts that this is going to happen in Acts chapter one. This is after Jesus was resurrected. It was right before he ascended to be with the father in heaven. He says this in verse four. Once he was eating with them, we were his disciples, and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends the gift He promised, as I have told you before. So they're probably wondering, okay, what is this gift? He told me before, maybe I'm not sure. He says, uh, he refers back to what John the Baptist says. He says, John baptized with what? Water. So John the Baptist was dunking people underwater. But he says, but in just a few days, 10 to be exact, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's talking to people that were in that room, that when he said, receive the Holy Spirit and breathed on them, they've received the Holy Spirit. They're already followers of Jesus. But he says, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then just a few verses later, this is what he says is going to happen. In verse eight, he says this, you will receive what? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. So why do we need the power? Why do we need more power from God? It says that you're going to be witnesses, to tell everywhere, people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These are concentric circles or regions that surrounded Jerusalem. He's basically saying, listen, it's going to start right here, close to you. And this message is going to spread, but you need power to be an effective witness. 
So the way I like to say this, I felt like the Lord gave this to me when we were talking about water baptism, uh, the day with kids. I'm like, if I can just teach this to kids in such a simple way, like how do I do this with a fifth grader and a kindergartner all within like two hours? We were talking about water baptism. I felt like the Lord just showed, you know, just sharing me a simple way. Maybe it'll help some of you. I feel like salvation is your birthday party. It's your spiritual, or it's not your birthday party, but it's, it's, your, it's your spiritual birthday, right? You were born again, or you were born from your mother once, and you were born again unto the spirit. So salvation is your spiritual birthday. The Holy Spirit coming to live within you is like your birth certificate. There are a few verses in scripture that say the spirit of God is the down payment, is the deposit guaranteeing what is yet to come. So the evidence of the spirit in your life proves to you over and over and over again that you are his child. When you begin to doubt it, when you begin to go in your own way, the spirit's in you reminding you, hey, you have been born again. So salvation is your spiritual birthday. The Holy Spirit dwelling within you is like your birth certificate. Water baptism is your birthday party. It's when you come and declare, hey, I've been born again. Let's celebrate what Jesus has done in my life. What do we do as parents on birthday parties? At birthday parties, we remind them how loved they are and how special they are and how thankful we are to have them. That's what water baptism is. It's to recognize you've had all your sins washed away. And that Holy Spirit coming upon you, that's your gift. It's your birthday gift. It's the gift promised from the Father that is for all believers. There's so many Christians that say, oh, that's just for those Pentecostals. That's just for this. No, it's in your Bible. The Bible that's written to every Christian who would ever read it. And Jesus says, this is a gift promised from the Father. I believe that there's roadblocks and there's things we've learned and there's, there's lies maybe that we've believed or there's just things, maybe it's just bad theology. But if you just look at the pure scripture, the word of God, I believe that you'll see Jesus said, this is a promise from the Father. So why do we need this experience? I'm, I'm trying to ask myself and, and answer some of the questions that you guys had on, on the survey weeks back too. Why do we need this experience if you're gonna go to heaven even if you don't receive it? Right? People ask this, will I still go to heaven if I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit? Will I still go to heaven if I don't speak in tongues? The answer is, of course. Of course, it's only by the grace of God that you're saved. Can you say amen? amen. We're not earning our way to heaven. We're not ticking off little Christian. Oh, I've been to church, you know, 48 out of 52. I'm gonna get a bigger house in heaven. No, <laughs> it's the grace of God and following Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's not just your hands raised at one service. It's I'm relying on the grace of God to forgive all of my sins, be born again into a kingdom, and you're in. So then you follow him as Lord and Savior, right? But however, I've been asked that question many times, you know, will I still go to heaven if I don't receive? And I'll say to people over and over again, you're asking the wrong question. Because when people are asking that question, there's usually fear about this mystical experience that happens at the altar of a church when the lights are low and the music's right. There's usually a fear of like, I've tried to get this. I'm, I'm trying really hard. I'll say, you're asking the wrong question. The question should be, how can I purely seek Jesus and receive what he has commanded me to receive? If he has said, if he told his disciples to wait on him until they receive it, then how can I do that same thing? 
I think that's the right question. In Matthew 28, before Jesus goes to be with the Father, he gives us the great commission. So he gives us a commission to go and make disciples. Okay, that's in Matthew 28. I think sometimes we separate that so far from the book of Acts that we're not putting this in the same conversation. Follow me here. Folks, I need you to go. And as you're going, I need you to make disciples wherever you go. And when they turn and know me as Lord and Savior, I want you to baptize them. And after they're baptized, I need you to teach them everything I've commanded so they can live the lifestyle that I've lived and I've taught you to live, which is a supernatural lifestyle. Same conversation. Hey guys, I'm I'm telling you what your assignment is. I'm telling you what your purpose is, but do not leave Jerusalem until you are endowed with power. You're not going to be able to do this on your own. Can you picture this in one conversation? We separate it from the end of Matthew to the beginning of Acts. No, listen, these are conversations Jesus had with the same group of people before he went back to be with the Father. This is your purpose. Go and make disciples. Don't leave the city until you receive power. You can't do this on your own. So we don't want purpose without power, and we don't want power without purpose. Reinhard Bonnke said this many years ago. We need both. So if you say you're a Christian fulfilling the great commission and yet you're not interested in receiving power, just go back to him and say, Jesus, I'm confused about this experience. I'm not sure about this or that. I just need more of you. How about let's start there. I need more of Jesus so I can be a better witness for him. And I believe when you just focus on Jesus and you just ask him for more, I believe that it will result in you being baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're simply not designed to do this on our own. We're not designed to do this in our own power. This is a supernatural work. If Jesus himself performed miracles and cared for the poor and welcomed the children and healed the sick and freed people from demonic oppression, how many of you think we need that same power that he had? We can't walk around here in our own strength and do what he did and actually fulfill the commission he gave us to fulfill. So I was asking the Lord, you know, so why, why don't Christians have value for this a lot of times? I believe he just said the problem that many Christians, when they don't see the value for this, is they're not being a strong enough witness for him to actually have a necessity to receive that. That's not to make you feel bad. It's just saying, are we putting ourselves in impossible situations? Are we going up to somebody that is sick in their body and saying, I believe Jesus can heal that and I'm gonna pray for you right now. I mean, if you know, you can't do that on your own. If Jesus doesn't show up, the person doesn't get healed. Or going to somebody that's far from God and loving on them and loving on them and sharing with them how Jesus changed your life. You can't do that on your own. You need Holy Spirit to show up. That's why Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I was thinking about television shows like our world is overexposed to the supernatural. Across channels and movies, they see all kind of mystical things. And while the devil's counterfeiting the supernatural power of God, much of the church is sitting here powerless. Say, hey, you go and watch that stuff and you go see all these impossible things made possible on the screen. And you come to church, you don't see any move of God. Or you talk to a Christian who's saying, you know, yeah, I have followed Jesus, supernatural. I'm giving you hope in an eternal home called heaven. 
But if there's no power to back that up, who's going to believe us? That's why Jesus gave us a purpose with power. One of these review sites said this, today's TV landscape is, oh, this is a television uh, critic website. It says, today's TV landscape is oversaturated with things fantasy. In July of last year alone, two supernatural shows were premiering. One is about a town that straddles the fault line between hell and earth, where its residents are attuned to the universal possibilities. Another explores the limits of time travel after a mother sees her daughter's death before it happens and tries to intervene. From demons to ancient gods romping around New York, these shows envision a reality like ours, but way more magical. This is what our youth are growing up receiving. And youth, this is what your friends are exposed to all of the time. It is time that we continue or begin to maybe for some of us to say, I I need more power. Remember, this isn't about you. Are you guys catching this? The Holy Spirit in you is for your benefit, to lead you, to guide you, to help you live a holy life. It's the advocate, counselor, helper, friend. The Holy Spirit coming upon you is for the benefit of other people. So even if you say, well, I'm doing fine. I don't really need that. No, there are people dying and going to hell. It's not fine. Things might be going in your life. Be thankful you have the Holy Spirit in you. Ask for Jesus to pour out his Holy Spirit upon you for the benefit of other people. In fact, if my team can come up right now, that's gonna use it uh, for an example. Every single one of us has people around us that can benefit from you being endued with power. Every single one of us. And I think that the Holy Spirit just wants to show us real people in your life as you see an example today. Every single one of us has people who are spiritually blind, like Cameron. Taking the selfie? He doesn't know. Okay. (laughs) Every single one of us has people who are spiritually blind. They don't know where they're going in life because they don't have Jesus. And I'm telling you, you will not have an effective message to share without having the power of the Holy Spirit flowing. You could tell them little things about Jesus, but he's saying your purpose is to make this person a disciple, to rip off the blinders that the devil has put on him so that he can repent from his sins and turn toward Jesus. Whether it's your neighborhood, your family, or workplace, every single one of you knows somebody who's spiritually blinded. So that should give you a hunger for more of Jesus so we can effectively communicate that with them. Every single one of you knows somebody who's sick in their body. We talked to the the kids about this. Find somebody who sat in their body and go pray for them. So as adults, we see Jesus healing over and over again. In the New Testament, we see the apostles and the disciples healing people over and over again. It's still for today. That's why we need power. So we can go up to somebody without being all super weird that you already know. Hey, I see you have a brace. I see that you're sick. Can I pray with you? Right, we do it at restaurants when we're out. I believe my Jesus still heals. I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he still heals today. Can I pray with you? This and my words will do nothing without power. Are you with me? So for me to say, knee be healed in Jesus' name and have the boldness to say, hey, go ahead and try it out and see if it's loosening up, that takes courage. That takes us stepping aside and saying, I need Holy Spirit to show up or it's not gonna happen but I believe he wants to empower us so that people that you are working with can rip these things off in work. How about a revival breaking out in your work this week? How about this morning, which we're almost out of time already. How about tonight at 7.07 when we seek Holy Spirit and you go into work tomorrow and the first person you see that's limping or if you see somebody with a cast, you say, I'm just gonna go after this thing. 
And you go after it and you watch the Lord work. Maybe it doesn't happen the first, second, third, or hundredth time, but you keep going and you keep pressing it. What about people? We are the most overexposed people. We are the most connected technologically generation ever. And yet we are the most disconnected relationally. Students, listen to me. All of your friends are more connected than ever before with technology. And they are the most isolated generation ever. So maybe you're like, Kurt, no way am I asking someone to give their life to Jesus. No way am I praying. How about this? Will you go to church with me next week? How many, like, well, do you need power to do that? I don't know. How many people are inviting people right now that are isolated? Find the one person who doesn't talk to anybody else in the neighborhood. Find one person in your workplace that's separated, feels lonely, went through a divorce, had a parent die recently that is just sad emotionally. Say, hey, I have some friends at Central. Do you want to come with me at 10 o'clock? If we're not doing it, then we might as well seek Jesus until we start doing it, right? Every single one of you knows somebody that's bound. Whether it's addiction, pornography, habits, whatever it is, I want to be able to walk in the power that's necessary to be able to take these things off through prayer. I want to be able to say, you know what? I was praying for you this morning and I feel like the Lord said this about this addiction. I feel like the Lord said that it was from when you were eight years old and bop, 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 and just hear the voice of the Lord be able to minister directly to an individual's heart until they're free. Does anybody recognize today this requires power? We need something more. I wanna take like five minutes and just lay out scripture and then we're gonna go after this uh, Tonight, I want to be respectful to what's going on with, with uh, Ashley and Chris. Why don't you give them a round of applause? Thank you, guys. I'm going to take you on a quick journey through instances when people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll press into it a little bit more tonight at 707 as well. So Jesus, in the book of Acts, before he ascends, he says, wait here until this thing happens. And then in Acts 2, it actually happens. It says, starting at verse one, the day of Pentecost, there were 120 believers. It says, all the believers were together in one place. Suddenly, we talked about the wind already happening in verse three. It says that the tongues of fire appeared, settled on them. It says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I want you to look at this. In verse one, it says, all the believers. Can you say all the believers? If they are a believer, do they already have the Holy Spirit in them? Say yes. yes. That, is, that is proven through and through in Scripture. When you believe in Jesus, you automatically get the Holy Spirit in you for your benefit. Look at verse 4. Everyone present. Say everyone present. Everyone Say all. all. Nobody was left out. I think that sometimes when we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, people that haven't experienced it, they start to feel isolated. They start to feel left out. Well, like, I've sought this and I've tried this and I just haven't. So they feel left out. I want, to, I want you to see the biblical precedent. Every time, every time you see this in the book of Acts, there is evidence that everyone there was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if it's not happening to you as an individual, just relax. <laughs> Just know it's God's will for you. Know that it's his gift to you. Maybe there's just something in your theology or something. Maybe there's just a fear. Who knows what it is? Just 
relax and begin to seek Jesus, okay? So this is the first time that this happens. In Acts chapter four, so we know 3,000 people came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior that day. In Acts chapter four, we see Peter and John, they're preaching out in the streets. They get arrested. As soon as they leave, in verse 23, it says, as soon as they were free, Peter and John returned to the other believers. Say, other believers. If they're believers, do they have the Holy Spirit in them already? Yes. They absolutely have the Holy Spirit in them. I believed growing up that this was one experience. When I saw these scriptures, it broke something in my mind. It says, no, you know what? I need more. I have the down payment. I have my, hev- my, my home is in heaven, but I want more of Jesus. If you realize you can do more for Jesus, you can fulfill his great commission in a more effective way, then how many of you know you can cry out for more of Jesus? So what do they cry out for? Down in verse 29, it says, O Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. So they're asking for boldness. It says, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done uh, through, the na- through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And again, maybe you're not in a point, a point in your life where you ever go up to somebody right now and pray for them. Then just start with something natural. Find somebody who's sad and encourage them. Do something that's out of your comfort zone. Do something that you wouldn't do on your own. And there will be a hunger that is stirred up for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. In verse 31, what happens? After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all, say all. All. It doesn't say like, hey, everybody that grew up in a Pentecostal church and then the few that didn't that were visiting that day, they were left out. Absolutely not. God doesn't put us in categories. We're his children. So everybody that that was his child that was in that place, all were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. I was asking the Lord, why isn't there initial evidence of speaking in tongues here, right here? And he took me back to ver- or in Acts chapter two. And I don't, I don't know this to be true. It's just the thought that I'm praying about right now is that if the people that were in this house were the 120 or some of the 120 that were in the upper room when they were first baptized, then that initial evidence would not have been recorded. They already had the initial physical evidence. They already had that as a prayer language. I want to go to Acts chapter 8. This is Philip. He's preaching in Samaria. He's performing signs and wonders. He's already filled with the Spirit. He's operating in power. There's a guy named Simon. He's a sorcerer. Can you say sorcerer? He listens to Philip's preaching, and he sees the manifestation of the power of God, and he actually repents, and he's water baptized. So a sorcerer sees this amazing work of power happening, he gets born again and water baptized, okay? So now Simon, I'm assuming, has the Holy Spirit in him. It says when, verse 14, it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, if they accepted God's message, are they Christians? If they're Christians, then they're born again. If they're born again, do they have the Holy Spirit in them already? All right, you guys are doing good. It says, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. I thought that they already received this. If you follow the book of Acts out, these apostles, when they're talking about people receiving the Holy Spirit, in Acts uh, 10, I believe it is, Peter says, hey, they received the Holy Spirit the way we did in the beginning, talking about Pentecost. 
So they're not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. They're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit coming upon you. So he's around us, he's in us, and he's upon us. It says, it even follows up. I should have just read the next verse. In verse 16, it says, the Holy Spirit had not come upon any of them, for they were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see all three right in these verses, folks. They're believers, so they had the Spirit in them. They were water baptized, and yet they're saying they haven't received the Spirit the way we did because he hasn't come upon them. So it says that Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit, meaning he came upon them. Now, how do we know something significant happened? Because a former sorcerer wants to buy this power from the apostles. It says in verse 18, when Simon saw, saw, he saw something significant happen, that the spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people. He offered them money to buy this power, it says. Something different was happening. I'll stop with this one, Acts chapter 10. You guys all right? Come back next week. Come back tonight, next Saturday at seven, Sunday at 10 and seven, it's gonna be good. Cornelius is a Roman army officer. Okay, he's a Roman. So he's not a Jew, he's a Roman. He's not born again yet. He sees a vision of Peter. He's instructed by the Lord to invite Peter, who's a Jewish apostle, to come and preach. I think it's later on that day or the next day, Peter is told, instructed through another vision from the Lord to go and preach to Cornelius. So they go in this courtyard. I'm not sure if there's 100, 150 people there. It's in a courtyard in between a house. And Peter is preaching to these individuals who do not yet know the Lord yet. They're God-fearing, but they're Gentiles. So as he's preaching, he's preaching a message about how Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Verse 44 says this. Uh, Adam, you can come up at this time. It says, oh no, he doesn't say that. And he's up here. If he started playing, then I would think he's trying to rush me. So, okay. Man, Peter sees a vision from the Lord. I don't even know Adam's behind me. <laughs> Good. You can start playing at this time if you're like. <laughs> so Peter is in the middle of a sermon. See, we, we think, this is the thing. We think that it has to happen just right here. And we'll spend time praying for people at the altar. We'll spend time praying for people at the rock. But for me, it was just for me. I was all alone in a hotel room kneeling against the bed. I've heard people being filled with the spirit as they were driving. I've heard people being filled with the Spirit in messages. It doesn't have to look a certain way, right? Everybody go like this. <sighs> like, yeah, take a deep breath and let's go after Jesus. What I, don't want, it, I, what, I, what I don't want is this. I don't want a church family full of people to say, yeah, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit 30 years ago. I spake in tongues and it's like, but nothing followed. What's the purpose of this experience? Say power. The purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is power. So you can be an effective witness and to help other people who are lost, hurting, lonely, sick, depressed, without Jesus. That's the purpose of this, is power. So in the middle of a sermon, it says in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, 
even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit didn't come in them, right? It says, it fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So here, if I, if I understand, if I've done my studies correctly, these people are hearing the message and receiving and being born again. Like they're listening to the message, hearing it and receiving it in their hearts. So as that's happening, Holy Spirit's living in them now, right? They're receiving a message. Wow, I'm believing this, I'm believing this. And boom, everyone in this room gets baptized with the Holy Spirit. Did you see it in verse 44? The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening. So you're not left out, you're not alone, you're not isolated. You're not wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're accepted just as much as anyone else. People who are baptized in the Holy Spirit do not get a special pin to wear around, folks. We don't get a bigger room in heaven. We've just sought Jesus for the purpose of other people. So other people would hear the message, so other people would be touched with the power of God. So then Peter says, hey, can anyone object to them being baptized? Talking about water baptism. For they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Why don't you stand at this time? I want to be respectful to, to two groups of people here today. Number one is a group of people who just want to hunger for more of God and want to take time to pray. The second group are those of you who are visiting with us. Uh, if you want to gather with Ashley and Chris, I want to be respectful to that as well. Uh, Pastor Jim left Coalition and I were talking about the Holy Spirit and, uh, and what we were going to be teaching on weeks ago and his Sunday night and then Sunday morning. And he had said something to me that stuck uh, with me that really that he has said has helped people just seek more of Jesus in their life. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter is preaching to everybody, when 3,000 get saved, he said this. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he, this is Jesus, is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, this is, Je this is the Father, God the Father, promised to Jesus, gave him the Holy Spirit to do what? to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. And Pastor Jim was talking to me, he said, listen, if people can just see in their spirit, if people can just not imagine, but envision Jesus, the high and exalted one, at the highest place of honor in heaven, if we could just enter a time of worship and picture him in our spirit, Jesus, high and exalted, Holy is the Lord, our God and our Savior. If we could picture that and we trust and have faith that God actually handed him that gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus already poured out and continues to pour out, that there won't be any trouble at all receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it may not be today. It might be in your bedroom. It might be in your car. It might be in a hotel room. Who knows? as we continue just to seek Jesus. Our focus is on Jesus and not an experience. Are you with me? Our focus is on Jesus, not an experience. For those of you that have received before, 
Again, if there's an area in your life where you could be more of an effective witness, in Ephesians 5, I believe it's verse 18, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is an active verb. Be continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can continue to seek more and more and more. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.